Welcome to Just a Phase, a podcast about modern parenting. Episode 25, Foster Care and Adoption. Today we emerge from the election fog, we gear up for holiday time, and... We talk to Drew about his experiences as a foster parent and adoptive parent. And I will tell you about the most special dog in the world. And get ready, Zootopia fans. Yeah! Oh, brace yourselves. (laughs) Hi, I'm Whitney Grispell. I'm mom to two girls, uh, a toddler and an almost one-year-old. And I'm Drew Ludwig, father to three daughters, ages 5, 7, and 10. And this is your reminder that we might swear in this episode. All right. Uh, How are you, Drew? I am doing well. This is the the episode we're recording right after the Thanksgiving break. And I I traveled, which has been a theme on this show. And it gets better every time. Uh, We survived well. Um, Not perfect, but good enough. Did you do your dance party trick in the car? No dance party this time. I like the dance party a lot more than my spouse. Okay. So she didn't want to do the dance yeah. party. But we did We did do heavy on the kids bop, mm. which my wife also doesn't like. Understandable, but I, uh, I No, I don't you. like it either, but I like the kids when they're listening to it. Right, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, music helped. Not too much screaming. That third row makes a huge difference. Eating in the car keeps them occupied for a little while, and uh, oh, and uh, Tuesday night was when we left, and um, actually we had to leave late on Tuesday evening, so we stopped at a hotel. So it was really two five-hour drives. Okay. So that's that's nothing. No. That's easy. It was the drive home that that could be the roughest, and uh, we made it. Well, I'm glad for you. Yeah. That's good. I never answer the question, "Where are we?" Um, you just pretend it's not happening or you like, no, it's just like, once you answer it, you have to answer it like every 10 minutes. Oh, so I'm yeah. big, like parenting rule number, you know, 32 is like, don't set precedents. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's true. So do you want to talk about your holiday or, um, yeah, I mean the, the, the holiday was good, but the big thing around here, I mm-hmm. will say is that we are having some, um, We've had some big victories with CC sleep um, in that. I know it's awesome. So she has basically, we just were super casual about um, having her in our, in our room and had her in our room much longer than we did with Viv. And in fact, she just started like co-sleeping with us, Mm -hmm. um, which was great until like it wasn't. And she was suddenly wanting to nurse all night and then like really not sleeping well herself. So anyway, we finally, after like, a lot of kind of half-hearted attempts just made a switch to the crib and it was like two nights of kind of transition like I slept in that in that room with her on a bed and then and now she like loves it it's where she wants to sleep she sleeps better than ever and I'm kind of thinking like I this lesson of you know stop doing it it half-heartedly and like just you know put in the work and you'll be rewarded. I need to apply that to potty training my two and a half year old. Yeah, I see. You know, because I feel like we'll be like, oh, you want to try your underwear? And then she's like, yeah. And then she does and she pees. And then we just go back to diaper. I, we have yet to do like the full on weekend thing that everybody says you should yeah, do. Yeah, the no pants weekend. Right. Yep, that's what we did. Okay. 
It worked mostly. See, like we just got to do it. perfectly. Right. But, but it kick-started the peeing in the toilet trend. Yeah. Which in our house is not a trend. It's like a, it's like a special occasion, a birthday. Four. It happens once a year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's that. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that we've been watching some Zootopia in our house. It's on Netflix. So Top five children. I know it's really good. Of all time. Yeah. And I, after a recent viewing, I was like, am I crazy or do Judy Hopps, the bunny, and Nick Wilde, the fox, kind of have a thing going on? Like, there's a lot of sexual tension between them. Am I the only freak that is, like, reading into this in a children's movie? I did not see that. The answer is no, I'm not. Okay. And there is a whole... Oh, did you find, like, fan fiction? Not yet, my friend, but I'm looking... (laughs) Really? Do you want to find it? No, not really. But I have found a community of Judy and Nick shippers. You know it like the term shippers. I know. It's like a ye old internet fandom term. I think it started with Netflix or um, Netflix, Jesus, at X Files fans uh-huh. who wanted Mulder and Scully to get along and have a relationship, right. so they became shippers. Oh, so it's so now it applies to ship. different yeah to fandoms when they like there's characters that people want to get together. So there's like Judy and Nick shippers, yeah, and there is like a community of fan art. So that's like it's not fanfic, but it's you know. It's like fan art that depicts them together. So I kind of went down this like 10 minute internet hole and was like, this is fascinating. This is, I mean, remember that um, Pixar message board I found that I told you about that had like weird discussions? This is like way weirder. Well, I'm just saying, I forget what number the rule is, but there's like rule 38 or whatever that's like basically says for everything you can imagine there's already pornography of it on the internet (laughs) like that's what i thought you were going to find Mm, not yet not explicit just like a lot of like comforting some kissing i found one of like their mixed fox mixed bunny family down the road that's that's not biologically a thing yeah yeah so I told some friends that I had done this. I felt like I immediately needed to confess it. And they were like, what the hell is your problem? Actually, it was in a group message with some people who there's only one other parent in there. And the people who don't have kids were like, what's your problem? <laughs> and my one, the one other mom said, oh, yeah, they totally want to, you know, F. Get together. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you're with me. That's. Wow. Okay. Um, You'll never watch Zootopia again the same way. I'm going to watch it again tonight. (laughs) Uh, There aren't any other like interspecies relationships in that film. But could that be Zootopia 2? Oh. A mixed species relationship? Zootopia 2 is a love story. Mm Mm-hmm. Tom was like, yeah, but then they can't have children. I was like, neither, you know, so what? They can adopt just like gay and lesbian couples. Yeah. They could adopt reptiles. There, there weren't reptiles in that movie either. Mm, yeah, weird. Yeah, I, I guess you okay. can't do everything. We're going down another rabbit hole. Oh. Google that tonight, Drew. Why aren't there reptiles in Zootopia? I know. So not that's gonna... that's what's going on with me. It's like my, you know, post-election therapy. I think is to just go down weird internet holes that I. Yeah. yeah. Good segue because Good segue. this a- episode was supposed to be another electiony episode. Yeah. I just 
I mean, I texted you when we were starting to plan this and was like, I cannot, I just, I can't, like, I, I, I can't talk about my feels right now uh-huh. because I, I don't know. I mean, it's literally like, there's many days where I feel like it's all I think about. Um, and if we gave in, we'd just be a politics podcast we're instead gonna, of a parenting well, podcast. I don't know. We're going to be talking about it. I'm sure it's going to come up because it's a huge part of our lives. So it's not like we're not going to talk about it, but I wanted to, I don't know. I felt like I want to take a break. I didn't have it in me today, but we did ask people to call and one of you called. Thank you, Teresa. Shout out to you. You're Yay. awesome. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're not going to do that. Um, but Drew, you mentioned on that last episode, our post-election episode, yes, that we had done a show about adoption and fostering, but we actually haven't. I'm a liar. You're a liar. Um, but I thought it might be good to get some background on your experience and kind of dive into this part of of your you know life as a parent. Yeah. So let's let's hear it. Like we know. Uh, well. So my three kids are adopted kids, and before we adopted them, they were foster kids, um, and uh, that was something that we had actually done before. So. Uh, they're the second set, the second sibling group that we fostered. We fostered two other kids, uh, one with special needs a few years before, actually just about a year before these kids showed up. And those first two were reunited with their mom. Okay. Why did you decide to foster? Um, so before we decided to foster, we had talked about maybe adopting. And that's when we were like, you know, just, you know, figuring out that we're going to be married and it's like, oh, well, are we lined up on kids? And both my wife and I separately had thought like, oh, there's already a lot of kids in the world. Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe we make one and adopt one. Mm -hmm. Right. And that that's kind of the way we thought. And uh, so uh, we got married and didn't want kids right away, but um, eventually decided to uh, maybe try making one first, and that didn't work out so well. Did a bunch of treatments and everything like that. Uh, didn't go all the way down the path of everything that one might do, but kind of like, oh, that's the hint, right? right? So let's start talking about adoption. Um, and we did start our conversation talking about adoption rather than fostering. But there's a couple different paths that you can go to adopt. Um, generally, like, Three big ones, right? So there's international adoption, uh, which can be a wonderful thing, but it can also be like super problematic. Um, it also can be super expensive. Uh, domestic adoption, uh, less problematic, pretty expensive, um, and foster care. Um, also uh, problematic in that um, you're like kids never go into foster care for good reasons. Right. Right. Um, I guess kids never really go up for adoption for good reasons. So, um, you know, no matter what you're, you're getting some hurt that comes with your kid. Um, your kids are pre-traumatized before you traumatize them naturally. Um, and, but that's, that's more often more intense in, um, a foster care adoption. So for you, was it mostly like a financial decision that led you to fostering? It, uh, well, I mean, first it was a, we wanted to have kids decision, right, right. but like given that it, it was highly financial. Um, 
it, I mean, it, it's, it was the path of least resistance to children for us, mm-hmm. you know, um, like we could have, we could have come up for, with, with the money to do a domestic adoption. We started down that path. We did a home study. We put together a little book, uh, and, uh, but we also worked the foster care front, like at the same time, um, and we're just kind of open to, you know, whatever happened. Um, so uh, we definitely got, but yeah, it did seem really weird to, um, you know, spend a whole bunch of money doing domestic adoption when there were like, literally like the county is like begging people to like adopt kids that are already there, you know? Right. So, well, not to adopt. That's the... So one of the weird things about foster care that a lot of people don't know is that when you are are a foster parent, at least in the state of New York, you are committed to work towards reunification with the birth parents until the birth parents' rights are terminated. Um, so like you, that has to be your stated goal, and you do have to make like a good faith effort and cooperate in that happening. Um, doesn't mean you can't advocate for your foster kids if right. like something doesn't seem right or anything like that. But like you're signing up with that commitment in mind. Um, and with our first set of foster kids, it looked like that was going to happen. And that is what happened. And that was a good thing that happened. With our second set of foster kids that we have now adopted, um, it seemed like that was not going to happen. Um and uh like from the get-go you had an idea yeah uh i don't want to go into too many details in case the kids like end up listening to this someday because nothing goes away on the internet but like basically a birth parent has to complete a court menu uh as part of their process of you know having the kids uh reunited with them and uh they had already like messed up enough on that court menu that like the odds of them completing it were very, very slim. What you said about it, you know, you have, you have to go into fostering with the intention or with the goal of reuniting. Yes. Do you, of the people that you may maybe got to know during that process, do you, do you think everybody had that or like, are most people, I don't know. No, like there's, there's definitely foster parents that, trying like to ask that say happening. they're going to go along with that. And they're like, but no way. Right. But yeah. it, it to me, it's it, you. You want the best thing for the kids, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I think everybody wants that. And um, often, I mean, if the best thing for the kids is to be reunited with their birth parents, um, then you definitely like need to fight for that. And you have, and you're working with caseworkers and agencies that yes. Are Sorry. there to help? No, no, that's okay. You're that are there to help that process along, and are also advocating for that to happen to be yes. the number one goal, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and really like, uh, as, as much as I can, like, I, I just can't be objective, but like trying to be objective, I would say that, um, a birth parent that does a lousy job, um, but not horrible is better than a, foster parent or adoptive parent that does a fantastic job. Um, so, and, and that's, you know, not to knock. I mean, obviously I'm a foster parent or a former foster parent and adoptive parent, but like just the act of 
you know, changing homes is traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think New York State has its priorities right in trying to avoid placing kids in foster care and putting supports around birth parents first and, you know, doing as much as it can to minimize transitions and maximize permanency. Um, like, I'm, I'm, I was introduced to all of this because I signed out to be a foster parent, but I'm, I'm on board with most of it. Um, yeah, and then one of the, you know, um, one, of, one of the things that, that kind of challenged me in the past couple years was uh, I met an older, uh, an adult adoptee that um, isn't very happy that she was adopted. Mm. Um, and obviously she didn't have a say at it, about it back, back in the day, but, um, you know, like, it's... It's a mess. Like, I always describe uh, foster care and adoption as um, the best of a bad situation. Um, hopefully, it's the best of a bad situation. Uh, there's, sadly, too many stories where it's a bad situation made worse. Um, but ideally, it is the best of a bad situation. And so, like, I'm not one to, like, celebrate or, like, make like foster care into like a heroic thing or a great thing. Like for my wife and I, it was the easiest and best way for us to become parents. Um, and for our children, it was, um, you know, given the situation that they found themselves in with their birth parents, um, the best way forward. While we're on fostering, I want to ask you, and I, you might have mentioned a couple of these in the past, just just in our conversation. But what are do you have some pet peeves about fostering that that you experienced, like the way people reacted to your decision to foster? I I don't like it. I I mean I try to be polite of it, polite about it because it comes from a good place. But I don't like when people like make a big deal and like celebrate it, be like, "Oh, you're so great." Right. The um, heroics, like you're talking yeah. about. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's it's. Well, a family member of mine who's fost- is currently fostering that said that, not you. But she she was frustrated with, like, the, they're so lucky to have you. Yeah, she I just really felt like hate that they're really... so lucky. They're not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they had some bad luck, um, and, like, we're the best of the bad luck. Um, so there's that. I don't like uh, – I, I mean, so I don't like it, but I get it. Um, people asking if my girls are siblings – um, they are in every sense of the word, right? But like, even if they came from different biological parents, they're siblings now, right? But they were siblings before, uh, and so yes, yes, they're siblings. But like, mm-hmm. if I if someone says, you know, these are my daughters, then you say they're siblings, right? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, every foster parent and adoptive parent will hate, you know, the phrase "real mom, real dad" because. I'm real. <laughs> We're all real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so birth parents and adoptive parents, uh, we're, we're all real. Those are, and those are the terms that are most widely appreciated or at least that you use. Those are the ones that I use. Well, those are the ones that I use when I'm making a distinction. Like I'm just parent now. Right. Right. So right. mom, dad. Right. Um, so right. I, I, I tend to not qualify that. Right. Um, but like when we're talking about their birth mom and birth dad, then say that and like they my kids visit with their birth parents twice a year um and when they're with them they address them as mom and dad right 
and so they only use the qualifiers when they're um, when they're needed, right? Uh, so, yeah, and yeah. So it, I, I'd also add like the caveats that like you know, if you've met one adoptive parent, you've met one adoptive parent. So it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually a lot more comfortable talking about it than than my wife is, um, mm -hmm. and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, my oldest uh, will talk more about being adopted. My youngest, like, we have to remind her that she's adopted, and sometimes she'll, like, argue with us and be like, no, I grew in mommy's tummy, and it's like, you grew in birth mom, right? Um, yeah, and there's the whole, like, biology part of it well not our tummy right but uh, <laughs> yeah but we also have to like get the person straight <laughs> yeah it's uh, it I've had some like I said I have a family member who's currently fostering and then I've had a bunch of friends including you but I'm, I'm talking about other friends um right now who have fostered to adopt and and sometimes I like I wonder if in, I guess I'm projecting here, but I, sometimes I wonder if like not wanting to talk about it is because it seems like such an invasive process. Like you're, you spend years like yeah. having people in your home, all it's like in and out of your home, questioning things, yeah. having all these limits on what you can do. If, if you are fostering, for instance, in terms of, you know, you can't just hire any old babysitter. They have to be approved and yeah, you can't just bring pain. them to everybody, anybody's house. It has to be an improved house. And it's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, well, and I do think that like there, there's, there's probably two reactions to that. Right. And there's the, I'm just going to shut it down and be private. And then like mine has kind of been like, well, my life's an open book. So yeah. like, I'm just going to have my life be an open book. Right. Um, yeah. So last, what, what kind of spurred this is like last, the last episode you said, you know, people used to like not talk to kids about adoption or like it was a secret that they were adopted. And then right. all these people found out were like, what? Yeah, that's a bad scene. <laughs> Um, are there other, I guess, like old school norms you think that are kind of shifting about adoption? Um, I hope that they're, they're shifting. I mean, it's still, so I don't like the heroic thing, right? But the other, like, uh, you know, one of the things that I do is comedy, right? And so like people have used like you're adopted as a punchline. Oh, yeah. And I've like, seen that. Yeah. That's that's a bad thing. <laughs> so if if you've done that, quit it, right? right? Um and and usually like I'm I'm not a big fan of like the like call out culture and things like that. But like I've been with folks that have made those jokes and I just kinda be like, Hey, you know what? Like my kids heard that, it would hurt them. Right. You know, uh, and it hurts me a little bit as an adoptive parent myself, you know? Right. So, um, so that's one of the ways that like the culture is hopefully changing, hasn't changed yet. Um, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, more and more people are being open and public ab about that. And like just the world in general is being, becoming, um, past election aside, right? Becoming more comfortable with families that are assembled in different ways. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm in the thick of it. Right. You know? 
Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem that weird. And I guess, you know, my wife and I are um, fortunate in that, uh, you know, our kids could, could pass as biological kids for us. I, I mean, um, we're, we're all white people. Um, I'm a lot darker than my kids, but my wife is really pale, so they could think, oh, they got it from her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, I don't think anyone would suspect that there was an adoption that formed our family unless we we told them. Right. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, we don't feel like it's a responsibility to tell people, but we also, like, feel like it's not something to be ashamed of or secretive about either. Like, it's a fact of life. So if someone's listening to this and they are thinking about doing that, thinking about it, um, either going one of those three routes yeah. that, that you mentioned, you have any, like, resources or things that were helpful? Oh, that's a great question. Because I, I should. Um, yeah. Was it helpful to like, did you talk to people who had gone through it before? Was I that did. something you did a lot of? I, I did do that. Uh, and like, you have to take a class, you know, or uh, individual training um, a, about attachment issues and cultural differences and working things out with birth families and things like that. And I, that's really helpful uh, in, the, in the process. You know, I think it's one of those things where, like, you go through it um, slowly, and it's good that you go through it slowly, and you don't, like, make a commitment, like, at the beginning, you know, that you you make a commitment at the end. Um, Maybe the weirdest thing, and and we had a heads up from our caseworker that, like, this is coming, but, like, before you are ready to be placed, like, you have to go through this checklist of um, what kind of stuff you're willing to put up with in your in your kid right which is weird because I mean everybody wants their baby to be perfect but everybody loves their baby regardless of what it is right um except when it's the ordinary way just just like whatever kid comes out and whatever happens to the kid right that's what you deal with right and so that when they say like well would you be open to having a visually impaired kid well, I don't want to sign up for that, but if I have one, you know, and, and like there's, there's that question and then there's developmental disabilities and there's, uh, racial differences and, uh, physical disability and like so many different things. And you're like, wow, do I, I don't want to say that I wouldn't, I can't foster a disabled child, but I'm not sure I can foster a disabled child. Right. And you just feel like a a horrible person like checking no and they're like you just need to be honest right because you don't want to get yourself into a mess that you can't handle but you did actually get myself into a mess i couldn't handle no (laughs) you 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 did foster a special needs yes and so and that's the other thing like we sort of got tricked okay like not in i don't think it was an intentional trick yeah right like but you would check no and then so yeah, like whatever you check, like the agency mostly respects that, but they'll call and say, "Hey, think about this situation. Are you right. open to that?" And like, I feel like if we had yelled at our caseworker and said, "Like we checked the boxes, stop bugging," it. but we actually did think about it and talk about it, and sometimes say yes and sometimes say no. So yeah, with our first placement, we were told that uh, the the kid who would become our foster son. 
uh, for a time had like something on the autism spectrum, but was mostly like mainstreamed in school. Uh, and he was, he was nonverbal and, uh, in diapers, uh, at the age of six. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a shock and a surprise. It's a little trick. (laughs) Again, like, I I don't want to like disparage, like, I feel like my caseworker did the best job with the information that she had. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, that's the other, like the weird thing about foster care is like you go from zero to parent sometimes in a matter of hours. Right. Right. Like just, okay, go yeah. to the store. Pick. I mean, usually you have s- some stuff ready, but you can't shop for too much because um, different kids need different things and have different things. Sometimes they show up with everything from their birth parents and, and their life. And sometimes they show up with the clothes on their back uh, and you just kind of roll. So most of the advice is, you know, just go shopping the day of, um, which can be a, a super challenge and then right. you catch up as you go. Right. Yeah. Um, resources for, for foster parents or adoptive parents. I really feel like folks that have been down the road before really are, are the best. There's some, some cool books um, that you can get to like read with your foster kids or adoptive kids that basically like talk you through the process. Um, the, the one that really worked for us was called Kids Need to be Safe. Um, and it basically talked about why kids often go into foster care. Um, so, and, and just understanding attachment and the dynamics of that. But you get that through, through the classes as much as you can get it through the classes. And then you just learn so much on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I do feel like, you know, Maybe this is, again, me not being objective and projecting because it's kind of like my personality, but like having like a flexible uh, improviser, like I don't know, but we'll figure it out and learn on the way personality. Like that's, I'm sure that there are type A mothers and fathers that do foster care, um, but it's hard for me to imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, because there really just is a whole whole bunch of stuff that you don't know it's coming until it gets there, and then you figure it out. Yeah, although I can think of people in my life who have more of that personality, and the thing that they excel at is like just creating routines and structure, which seems really oh, helpful for the kids. Yeah, those things are huge. So and maybe important. it's tough for them, like with the, a lot of the lack of prediction but at least the kids know when they come back they're like they know what to expect because right i'm thinking of my family member you know she runs like a really tight ship yeah and it yeah. seems it's from what i've seen it has helped with several issues yeah and and we do that too actually like we're i mean there's there's always things that happen but we're pretty consistent about bedtime and about diets and tv time and everything like it's it's a lot more um order and rigidity than I would usually be comfortable with. But like, I've seen what happens when my kids don't have that. Mm-hmm. So, and you've mentioned that before your kids need it. Yeah. yeah. I think all kids need it, but you feel like your kids need it in particular. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, that's the other like weird thing. Like, I know that my kids aren't like biologically, you know, connected to me, but it's weird how much behavior seems to be like, and personality seems to be biological. Um, I mean, our, my, my kids have picked up on some of my language and phrases and things like that, 
but I think I've talked about how like neither my wife nor I like are into like, you know, like girly girl, like traditionally like overly feminine stuff. Right. And like, man, my youngest, like she was like, I want a purse. I'm not actually all three purse, high heels, makeup. And we're like, duh, where's this coming <laughs> from? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, the kids want to start shaving their legs. What? I know. Dude, really already? Uh Uh-huh. Actually, I can remember, I, I'm thinking back now, like I remember begging my mom and which is, I haven't shaved my legs in almost like two decades as an adult. I don't, I don't do that, but it seems like slavery. I I can remember begging my mom and her being like, why stop? Yeah. Oh no, Drew. Yeah. You're, you're there. (laughs) Yep. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird path, but I think that's the other thing is like parenting is weird. Like uh, every parent has like unexpected stuff that comes into their life and, you know, joys and tragedies and, you know, just weird things from their kids. So like, I don't, I don't know, like, sure. It's, it's a different kind of parenting, but like every kind of parenting is different and weird mm-hmm. and, um, you know, fortunately, like foster care and adoption, um, at least uh, with uh, here's a, a fun phrase, hard to adopt kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, and because we have a sibling group of three, they're designated as hard to adopt. Is that like the official term? That's a term that the county and the state uses. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one you fight for because there's yeah. extra support when your kids are, quote unquote, hard to adopt. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but so, it, you know, like I can complain about the, the different struggles and challenges, but I can also like just be glad that there's a whole lot of support that, you know, ordinary parents don't get. So do you still get it? Yeah. Yeah. Be, because our our children are, quote unquote, hard to adopt, there, there is a subsidy uh, that comes with the children uh, until they're uh, past 18. It's somewhere okay. in the 20s. Do you have like... Emotional support too, or um, is it most just financial? It, it's not to make light of that because that is huge. No, it, it, so we do have emotional support, um, but it's I mean the emotional support that we've created. Um, I mean, so the, I meant like from a caseworker or the, something. The, there's there's a caseworker that we could call, and there's adoptive parent networks and things like that. But um, like with with when our kids were foster care, we had like a monthly visit from the caseworker, whether we wanted one or not. Um, and that's, that's not happening. Um, there's no regular visits or, or checkups or anything like that. Um, once, once kids are adopted, uh, then there are new birth certificates that are issued and like, it's all of the rights and stuff that goes with ordinary parents. Right. So, Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me ask my maybe dumb questions. No such <laughs> speaking, thing as a stupid question. Like and you said, if you met one adopted parent, you met one adopted parent. So you're not speaking for everybody, but it is helpful to know that back, some more of that background. You know, yeah. even like we're on episode 25 of this, and like I still like that's the first time I heard like that whole full backstory. And I've known you before we did this too, so yeah. it's helpful. Yeah. Well, and and I do think like. I guess that's the other thing, like, you know, we've talked on, like, issues of race, and it's, like, 
it's not the issue of every black person to like educate every white person what it's like to be a person of color. Right. Um, but like things like, well, you can read authors and listen to podcasts and things like that. So like, I am happy to like talk about the experience and you know, maybe that'll save some time for some other adoptive parent. That's like, uh, do you know how many times I've answered these stupid questions? Just listen to this. Listen to this guy that doesn't shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've done this before where we've plugged like comments and questions and things like that. If there's a thing that I didn't cover, you know, listeners or like a question that you felt like was insensitive to ask or too stupid to, you know, you can ask your questions anonymously or yeah, whatever. And, uh, if, if those come in, we'll address them on a future episode. Absolutely. Uh, so, is it time for a person, place, or thing? Is that the end of this segment? Yes, it is time. Okay. Whitney, uh, tell me about your person, place, or thing. Okay. My thing is empathy. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this down on my list in my, in my notes app before the election. It's probably even... Well, it's always been relevant. But I actually... I, I was thinking of it um, specifically because I, I... In, like... Back in, like, September, I had had a a week where I had conversations with a more experienced parent and a newer parent about sickness and their kid being sick. And it yeah. just reminded me, uh, you know, at, at this point my kids get sick and I'm, you know, it sucks, but I'm pretty chill about it. And especially chill about like the fact that CC gets Viv's germs from daycare. It's going to happen. So I'm not as much of a freak about them sharing germs. Right. But when I was in like a newer mom, I was a total freak about it. And was it I I was really high strung and anxious about them getting sick and sometimes too much of those things. Yeah. Um but it, to to the point where I was um I think like unhelpful to some family members <laughs> I don't know whatever I, my point is I just say like sorry to someone with me <laughs> I have already okay. <laughs> apologized to them but anyway I just it just I had when when I wrote that down I had this moment of feeling like you know I just I can I know where both of these people are coming from yeah like I know being annoyed but I, man I really feel the new mom thing I it's not where I'm at at all anymore but it's so scary when your kid gets sick for the first time and when you're trying to like set up routines and they all go to hell and you're sleep deprived and you know, yeah, it's just some, it's just some runny noses, but like it can be, it can totally disrupt your life. And so that's as, as we head into winter, just be patient with people that are sharing germs and trying to hide from them. (laughs) Okay. So I was going to make my thing be a little more like touchy feely and nice, but yours was empathy. (laughs) So I've got a new thing. Um, my thing is a brand new zoo, but it's, um, a zoo that really only has one animal. And it's a dog, so it's a shit zoo. What? <laughs> okay, go on. No, that that That's was it. that was the pun. It's That's a shit it. zoo. Okay. I Sorry. No, you it. don't. <laughs> I'll I'll have a real person placer thing next time. But like my mine had a little bit of sadness and doing that on top of the empathy. So my yeah. thi- my thing's a shit zoo. Yeah. Dad jokes all day. I'm a dad. All day. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a dad of joke that I you can't tell to, to your kids. I know. Yeah, so, it's a good one. Yeah. All right. Good job, Drew. <laughs> no problem. Uh, that's it for this episode of Just a Phase. Uh, so please don't forget that you can sub- subscribe, review, and rate our pod- podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you're using to listen to this. You can also find us on Facebook at Just a Phase Podcast, on Instagram under the same name, and on our website at justaphasepodcast.tumblr.com. Just a Phase is produced by Whitney Crispell, and our theme music remains Urbana Matronica, the Woo Yeah Mix by Spinning Merkaba. We use it under a Creative Commons license. Okay, Drew. Have a good day. You er, too. Weeks. Podcast away. <laughs>